Hey everybody, welcome back to the Gridiron Graduates. Hope you all had a great week. I am not these nuts. Uh, and joining <laughs> me is also not these nuts. How you doing, buddy? I am good. My uh, my legs and ACLs are are healthy, as far as I know, and uh, I am currently just on the lookout for non-contact injuries since that seems to be all the rage right now in the NFL. Boy, what a mess it's been lately with all these injuries. Kelvin Benjamin going down. We see Mike Ayupati going down. Uh, But let's let's remember that, you know, only football has a... Only football has injuries. No no (laughs) other sport has injuries, just football. But that's okay. Um, And yes, today's show is dedicated to these nuts. <laughs> These nuts, 2016. When, oh my god! When I saw, I, I guess you saw that clipper. When I saw that, I was like, "Is this real?" <laughs> like, oh my, and he's actually getting like votes in North Carolina. I know so that'll probably going, be like, my uh, probably me, probably be my write-in. Yeah, really. Candidate next year. Like so you, you'd click whoever you vote for, and then underneath it, you'd be like, "Yeah, I'm also writing." I'm also voting this guy, too, just because I feel like it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but enough politics, because I'm not a huge fan of politics to begin nope. with. Oh, not at all. Um, but, yeah, let's start off with today's show, and I guess we should talk a little bit about some of these injuries. Uh, the big one today, of course, Kelvin Benjamin going down with a torn ACL, uh, obviously out for the season, and without question, a huge blow to this Panthers offense. I, I know he he wasn't superstar last year, but he obviously put up big numbers. And the fact that there's really not a whole lot behind him on that wide receiver depth chart is really what makes this a huge blow for what was already um, not a strong unit overall for this Panthers team. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you know... I think that there's a difference between really liking Kelvin Benjamin and also feeling like he isn't great. Like, and and then also like separating that from the fact of how much this is going to affect the Carolina Panthers. Because whether or not you love Kelvin Benjamin, and, and if you do, that's fine. And if you don't, that's fine too. You know, he put a lot, uh, put up a lot of numbers that were late in games when the Panthers were kind of out of it already. And, of course, as a second-year receiver, you hope to see that impact grow. Well, unfortunately now, I mean, there's just no possibility of that, obviously. And the, the, the worrisome thing for the Panthers is that there's just really no way that this team can, can really elevate a player like Devin Funches or Jericho Cotri. And then it's not only just replacing – the talent that they lost in in uh, in Benjamin, it's also having that number two receiver step up. It's very difficult because it's one thing to get the production out of Benjamin. It's another thing to find someone that can, you know, fill the shoes of let's say Funchess as the number two receiver. So it just creates a massive gap for a team that already had huge questions at the position, and it's it's very unfortunate um, for this team. And 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 you know we did our previews earlier this uh earlier this summer and i'm starting to get cold feet a little bit about the panthers now i just i feel like this might be 
something that can snowball and really affect their season. Uh, I'm starting to get pretty worried about this team in, in 2015, and, and maybe we're looking at a team that, that drops back maybe far even into the top 10 of the draft next year um, if, if things continue to go south for them. I just They don't have a great running game. They don't have the same offensive line as they used to. The, the receivers are still a big concern now. I mean, does this change kind of how you look at the outlook of that team? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I was already kind of low. I think I had him about 8-8 eight and eight with Kel- Kelvin Benjamin. And now that there's really not a whole lot to throw to outside of Greg Olson, um, and granted, you know, I still like Greg Olson as a tight end, and he's probably going to see a lot more targets because of this, but other defenses are going to be aware of the fact that there's not a whole lot of threats on the outside, so they might be able to focus on Olsen a little bit more. So yeah, it's just looking really bad. And, you know, you mentioned the offensive line. We're still looking at a team that has that's likely placing Michael Ower at left tackle. Yeah. And to me, that's a recipe for disaster. Absolutely. You know, he was at right tackle last year for Tennessee, and he was pretty bad. Now you're going to put him on the blind side. And then you still have question marks on the left side. Is it going to be Renner's? Is it going to be, you know, the kid from Oklahoma? So there, there's still a lot of a lot of question marks with this offense, and even with the running game. You know, I like Jonathan Stewart, but you can't bank on him being healthy for 16 games. Yeah, he does great, but there's just too much. Yeah, point yeah, history is going to suggest that yeah. he's going to get hurt in in some fashion. And then, you know, who do you rely on? Cameron Artis Payne, another rookie. So, you know, the, the outlook just doesn't look good right now for the Panthers. And, and, you know, I agree with your point, you know, that this could really, this could really snowball on them and really affect them all season long. Um, you know, even you look at a, their week one opponent, Jacksonville. Yeah. You know, this is a... You know, I know people are down on Jacksonville, but this is starting to look like a sneaky upset pick now because I've always been a fan of Jacksonville's defense. It, you know, and I yeah. like the corners they have. So there, there's potential here for a little bit of an upset, and it is at Jacksonville. So, you know, things start out bad for Carolina, and it just gets worse. Could, could be a rough year for the Panthers. Yeah. Definitely. And, uh, you know, among other injury news, you mentioned Mike Ayupati may be out anywhere from six to eight weeks. Of course, that could that could swell up. You never know what happens there. Um, I also saw some people say that they're not sure yet on the exact time frame. Yeah. Louis Delmas towards ACL. Um, that could be a career ender. Oh, you know, that's just, rough, yeah. Just kind of you look at his career. This is a guy that he's been a good player everywhere he's been. Detroit and Miami, when he's on the field, he's been a good player. Unfortunately, when he's been on the field, has been less often than not. Um, you know, he's been on he's been on the surgeon's room way too many times, unfortunately. And um, it's it's going to be hard to see. I think you compare him to another Dolphin last year, um, no Sean Moreno. He had, you know, injury issues and eventually missed last year. I think his career is probably over. I think... I think the same thing's probably going to happen to Delmas. Maybe he gets one more chance somewhere, but another ACL injury to the same same knee is not not promising. So, yeah. 
hopefully these guys recover soon and hopefully your team, whoever your favorite team is, avoids these critical injuries. We've obviously been talking about them every week and uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully they stay healthy because we just want to see some good football. Exactly. Uh, and just quick too on the Dolphins, who do you expect to step up and take down this spot? I think Walt Aikens, second year safety, um, out of Division Two. He uh, he's a super talented player, and he's got his head on straight now. Played free safety a little bit last year in limited snaps when Delmas went down. They played a little bit of a rotation. Uh, looked decent, and I think now that he's had the full off season because he was kind of bouncing between cornerback, free free safety, and strong safety last year. Um, now that he's had a full off season at free safety. He's already stepped into the first team snaps. I think that's going to continue. I think he's going to be a decent player. The thing with safety is that like there's not there's basically like the elite safeties and then there's average safeties and then there's just like terrible safeties. There's not really any in between. So the key is to really find like an average safety if unless if you're finding anything better, yeah. uh, which is a huge bonus. So hopefully he's at least average for Miami. Um, he's next to Rashad Jones. I, I'm a huge fan of Rashad Jones. I think he's a phenomenal safety. Yeah, he certainly stepped up last year. Had a good season. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So we'll we'll see how it happens, but I'm pretty sure Aiken's going to nail that down. And that's good that he's are he's already been getting first team reps, so it's not like he's stepping into something completely new. He has that little bit of, bit of experience, so that'll help. Um, so let's kind of shift gears now. We've been talking a lot about pro, but. I think now's a good time to kind of dip into the college game a little bit. Earlier this week, the watch list for the Senior Bowl was released. And for all those guys that love watching college players, it's certainly a good time of year because it gives us kind of that early start on who to watch for. Um, and I know you said you kind of glanced over it a little bit. Obviously, there's a lot of players. There's what? Over 350 players, yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, I'm actually really surprised at the uh, sheer size of this list. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's, but the you know credit the Senior Bowl, credit guys like uh, Patrick Wu know, and Sa- Patrick yeah, Wu, Phil Savage. Phil Savage. Yep. By the way, P. Wu, fellow Penn State alum. <laughs> might have, might have to try to get him on if we can. You know, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so just in your early first run through this list, you know, who are some of your favorite guys and, you know, who are you looking forward to watching as we enter this college season? Yeah, so, I've, I mean, I've got the list here. Um, it's an ABC order, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name off some guys as I scroll through just because, I mean, as you said, it's 350 guys, so it's it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'll start with Vedal, Al- Vedal Alexander. He's a tackle guard from LSU, 6'6", 330 pounds. Um, just a very powerful blocker. I think he's going to be lining up a tackle this year after playing guard for a couple years. Um, he's my top overall guard prospect um, senior entering the season, so I'm pretty excited to see him. Um, also on the list, a little bit down, Jacoby Brisket, Brissett from North Carolina State, NC State. Um, I'm actually surprised. I didn't think he was a senior. I thought he was a junior. Um, but junior redshirt maybe, but uh, I could have been wrong on that. Uh, he really flashed at times last year. He's a very talented, very athletic player. Um, these quarterbacks are really fun to watch, and I think that there's a good number of, of quarterbacks this year that uh, have a chance to break out, and he's one of them. Uh, DeForest Buckner, defensive end from Oregon, really prototypical 3-4 defensive end, very powerful. I think he's got good speed. Um, it's really tough in the Oregon system to kind of separate 
those those guys from as like edge rushers because they're not really asked to do that. They they basically bring three linemen every single play, and they don't blitz. It's really weird, and it, I don't it's I don't really understand that strategy on the college level. But I really like DeForest Buckner. I think he's one of my top defensive line prospects entering the year. Just tremendous size, tremendous strength. Um, getting down into the list a little bit more, uh, Kenneth Dixon, running back out of Louisiana Tech. I really like him as a running back. He's 5'10", 212 pounds listed, very shifty, very fast. Um, I'd like to see his instincts improve a little bit, but for being a smaller school player, uh, he's going to address Jeff Driscoll in the backfield with him. And I mean, Driscoll's been atrocious throughout his career. Yeah, to put, to put it lightly. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. I mean, it's, it's, it's a name recognition thing. Yeah. He's on the same senior bowl list as well, so we'll see how that works out. But I'm a big fan of Dixon, my number four running back entering the year. Um, Kyler Fackrell, outside linebacker, edge rusher from Utah State. Uh, he's got some really good tape against USC on draft breakdown, and he just kind of dominated that game. And I think that those are the type of games that you can set yourself apart from everyone else because that's a big-time competition game, and he's got he's definitely got some skills. Just look at Khalil Mack against Ohio State. Perfect example. Exactly, like exactly. So hopefully he puts together a good season. Um, Tyler Johnstone, offensive tackle from Oregon. He was hurt. He was the left tackle before Eric Fisher. Um, he was hurt last year, and so Fisher moved over to left tackle. Johnstone's basically like a similar-level talent. He's a possible first-round pick this year if he's 100% back healthy. Um I'm a, I was a fan of his before he went hurt, went down. So I really want to see if he's healthy. Um, kind of skimming through. Uh, Mikael McKay, wide receiver from Cincinnati. I like him a lot. So like his yards per average rece- reception-wise is insane. Like when he transferred to Cincinnati, he was averaging like 28 yards a catch or something. It was something crazy. And then he goes to Cincinnati with Gunnar Keel and a bunch of other receivers. They've got a number of good receivers, and he had a pretty good season last year, even um, not quite as insane of an average, but he also was getting uh, to run a little bit more variety of routes, and he's definitely a big-time receiver. I think that at his size, he's like 6'4", 6'5". He's going to run like a 4'4", so he's one of those guys that you definitely want to keep a tab on, especially as we have Gunnar Keel as kind of under the the lens this season as he's draft-eligible. Uh, I think we're going to be seeing Mikhail McKay a lot. And then the last guy I'm going to finish up with is uh, Kivare Russell, cornerback from uh, Notre Dame. He was just reinstated. Uh, he's my number two cornerback entering the season. I think he has that like upper number one type potential. Uh, last time we saw him was two years ago. So obviously we'll see if that continues, if his talent uh, is still at is going to be at a high level. Uh, I saw him very much in passing uh, when I went back and watched him, only watched like two games because there's really not too much available of him. Uh, but I think he's got great talent level just based off of those short viewings. So I'm really interested to see how he does. Uh, just a quick note, a little cheap free plug. Draft Breakdown. If you yes. guys have never visited Draft Breakdown, you're really doing yourselves a disservice. You know, If you want to get a look at some of these players you, you got to check out Draft Breakdown because the crew there, Brian Perez, Justice, and everyone out there just do a fantastic job of getting these game clips together. And, and they're more than highlight films. 
Yes. You know, they're not these highlight films that you see on YouTube where it's just the big plays and like, oh, yeah, he caught a 50-yard touchdown pass against, you know, no coverage. Yeah. Uh, you see just pretty much every play. Yep. You know, from those big highlight plays to even a simple run block from, like, a receiver or something. You know, so it's just a fantastic job that they do, and it really, you know, because we, we don't have access to college coaches' film. No. So this is really the best the best way for us to get a look at, at some of these players. So th th these clips are really invaluable. So definitely outstanding. Um, some of the guys you mentioned that I I got a chance to watch you know a little bit myself earlier. Uh, I agree with you on Jacoby Brissett. I watched him a little bit against Florida State and thought he was really good. Yeah. You know I don't want to say he. You know I I want to say he reminded me a little bit of Russell Wilson. But I don't want people to think, like, oh, just because it's NC State. But, you know, he, he kind of did. You know, watched him yeah. a little bit, and I thought, well, okay, kind of like Russell Wilson here. Which, you know, that's a good thing. You know, yeah, absolutely. He's definitely athletic and very mobile, and he's shown he can make good throws. Um, and then we mentioned Buckner on a earlier show. Um, a receiver that I watched earlier today that I thought was you know, I was really impressed by and could turn into one of my favorite receivers is uh, Duke Williams of Auburn. Mm, yes. Um, I really liked, you know, well, first of all, he has great size, 6'2", 224. Um, watched him a little bit against Mississippi State, and I like how they moved him all across the field. You know, he wasn't just an outside guy. They, they'll put him inside in the slot or you know, close to the core of the formation, and he'll run multiple routes. It, it was a small sample size from what I was watching, but he looked like he has a real nice catch radius, too. So, early on, I think this is going to be a kid that certainly can excel early in the NFL, and certainly one of the reasons why Auburn, I think, is what, fifth, fourth or something? I think they're top five in the preseason coaches poll. Yeah, I believe you're correct. So... He's definitely a guy I'll be looking forward to watching. And then, you know, keep going back to Penn State. But, yeah, I watched some of the, their guys today. Anthony Zettel, you know, good offensive line, or good defensive line, excuse me. Very good, yeah. yeah. Uh, especially in pass coverage. I really liked, you know, when he's up against pass plays. Does an excellent job getting up the field, getting pressure on the quarterback. So I'm excited to see how he does as a senior. Uh, and then they caught a little bit of Jordan Lucas, the uh, really a versatile defensive back. He played a little bit of corner. Uh, I know he played safety at uh, the Blue White game because he's likely going to replace Adrian Amos uh, in the backfield there. Uh, another athletic guy can uh, you know moves around well, does well against receivers. So I, another guy I'm excited to watch. So. And again, you know, we, we could sit here and just discuss a lot of these players if we want. You know, Trayvon Boykin, uh, I, Jonathan Gray is another guy I watched mm. talking running backs. So, you know, certainly, and, and I agree with you, just even the quarterbacks, a lot of talented. And just with receivers, just with uh, seniors, a lot of talented receivers. Connor, you know, Connor Cook, Brissett. Kevin Hogan, Gunnar Keel, uh, Chucky Keaton of Utah State. 
and then even potentially some underclassmen that might uh, declare. Obviously, people are going to talk about Christian Hackenberg. Mm-hmm. I watched the guy that I think you're really intrigued by, a guy that I think I've seen you talk about a bit, and someone you really seem to like, Jared Goff. Oh yeah. Of Cal. Oh yeah. Big watched fan. him a little bit, and uh, he looks outstanding. You know, I had to double check the senior list; he's not on there, but that's because he's a junior. Yeah. Um, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if he declares. So there's definitely a lot of talent at this quarterback position for this upcoming draft class, which is good because obviously there wasn't a whole lot of it in 2015, but it's going to be nice that, you know, if you're a quarterback needy team in 2016, you're going to have options. Right. So that's going to be and, it, and it's tough, too, because we really don't see many, like, franchise-altering guys. And I don't think that that's fair to hold against some of these good prospects. Like, if you get a good quality starter, like maybe say, um, not necessarily a franchise type, but I'm trying to think of a good example, um, maybe like even like a Ryan Tannehill or um, like one of those non-elite type quarterbacks, mm-hmm. I still think that that's valuable. I still think that you can win. Like that champion, Matt Ryan level. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. I think that you can win a championship with that type of player. Um, you know, we saw it with Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco's not elite. You know, any any type of notion that he's elite, I think is is kind of it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, it's, yes, he had one great playoff series, uh, off season, post season, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he really hasn't proven it on a year to year basis that right. he is one of those quote-unquote elite quarterbacks mm-hmm. that we hold everyone else up to as, as a standard. So, But you can win a title with him. You know, I don't think that that's a, really a damning statement to say about him. He he is someone that you can win a championship with. So mm-hmm. that's really all that I need to know. And it just means that you have to build a little bit of a stronger team around him. But even if you have a guy like Drew Brees or Peyton Manning, those guys only have one Super Bowl. So it's not like having the elite guy always means that you're going to win a Super Bowl. So mm-hmm. I think this year has really, to me, six or seven guys entering the season that are just super intriguing, and we could really see um, maybe become very solid players, at least as prospects, if not more, becoming very good NFL players. And obviously, this fall will definitely determine a lot of that. I mean, I don't want to make any crazy statements that there's going to be seven you know, day two or better starters. Yeah. I just, I'm not comfortable going that far yet. But, uh, you know, I will say that there are at least at least seven guys that I'll be watching very closely this year. Yeah, everyone's mock draft. One, Connor Cook. Two, uh, Gunnar Keel. Three, Christian Hackenberg. <laughs> and you have to go all the way down the line. Oh, 25, um, Jonathan Gray or something. Right. So you finally get a different position. But, you know, but, but yeah, you know. Like you said, at least there's going to be good quarterbacks to to choose from this year. Not not necessarily, you know. There's no Andrew Lux, obviously. Yeah, but we. I mean, it's it's okay. Like that's yeah, exactly. okay. If we don't have that guy. Because we we've come to expect that there's not going to be an Andrew Luck every year. Right. You know? It may be a few years before the next one, even. I mean, right. I think the top college quarterback, honestly, is Clemson's Deshaun Watson. But he's also very slight, and he's had a lot of injury issues. So, uh-huh. I mean, who knows if he's even going to ever be able to fulfill his potential. Right. Um, and I think we were kind of a little spoiled by that, too, with 
you know, seeing Andrew Luck. I think people yeah. kind of expect, oh, well, he, you know, he doesn't have the tools of Andrew Luck. Well, he's not good. Right. Well, no, you, you can't say that. You have to go with what you have. Right. You know, if he's the best, but he's not that good, well, so be it. You know? It's kind of like what the uh, Bengals have had to do with, with Andy Dalton. Right. You know, and, and the unfortunate thing for, for them with Dalton is that he just never took the next step. Uh-huh. You know, he's is he good? Not really. You know, and, and I mean, he's, he's very average. Right. He's not, like, especially good, though. And that's what's hurt them. However, what I'll say is, you know, he was, if he would have worked out, like the Bengals had hope. And I'm not saying that the Bengals had hoped you'd be elite. You know, you're not taking a guy in the second round uh-huh. or end of the first round to, to be an elite quarterback. Right. If he would be even just a little bit better, that's probably a Super Bowl t- type team. So, and they're already a contender for that every year. I mean, they haven't won a playoff game in four years, but at least they're getting there. So, you know, I don't want to dis- disparage him too much. I think that for his talent level, I think he's he's really topped out. And that's okay. Like, you take a stab on guys like Drew Brees in the second round because you think that they might have a somewhat limited ceiling. But then uh-huh. those guys sometimes enter the league and surprise you. So I, I think that's kind of important to remember. A guy like Colin Kaepernick comes to mind off that. Yeah, um, absolutely. In the second round. Yeah. Rode the bench behind Alex Smith. All of a sudden, Jim Harbaugh makes the switch. A year and a half later, they're playing in the Super Bowl. Absolutely, you know, absolutely, so. and he's and he's kind of topped off a little bit lately. Yeah, he uh, kind of has to. You're right. But but still though, I mean, they got a, they got a pretty good return on investment so far on him. So oh, absolutely. You I know, mean, if you most guys end up like Chad Henney, or you know Mark Sanchez, where mm-hmm. they just weren't overly good as starters. You know, they were mm-hmm. they were somewhat serviceable for here and there, but long term, that's not your guy. Right. So. If you can get a guy that that's pretty decent, you can win with. And Kaepernick almost won a couple times yeah. Super Bowls. I mean, it wasn't just really it wasn't really his fault that they didn't win. So. Oh no, he did everything he could. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, for a guy you draft in the second round who pretty much was thrust into the starting lineup, you have to be happy with three years in a row playing in the NFC Championship. Yeah. Playing in the Super Bowl one year, you know. Absolutely. I'd, I'd love for my team to do that. Right, right. You know, That's something to keep I in mean, perspective. I mean, certainly, you know, early 2000s, that was the Eagles, you know, playing right. four straight conference titles, but only getting the one Super Bowl. Of course, when you also have receivers like James Trash, I mean, Thrash, <laughs> Todd, I can't hold on to the ball, Pinkston. Those were rough times. <laughs> you know, we... we we thought the Browns had bad receiving core. God, <laughs> Thrash and Pinkston was like the dynamic duo of junk receivers. Um, I remember those days too. It was a uh, not pretty. It, no, um, I, I do have to ask this though. Um, when you were talking about Joe Flacco, I had to think. Uh, I'm sure you saw the our buddy PFT commenter, right? I did. The uh, Republican debate. Oh my god, when I saw that, that was like the best picture ever. Is Joe Flacco elite? <laughs> it was it was just so great and like the people that the fact that people there took him serious. 
Yeah. And they were pointing out his grammar. Pointing out the grammar, yeah. like oh, Unbelievable. He, he forgot, like, he spelled... He's like a uh, elite quarterback. Yeah. He spelled something wrong. Like I think he spelled, he spelled quarterback. quarterback. Yeah, I think he spelled like, quarterback. Yep. Uh, that's the joke. Right. Right. Like, <laughs> that's you guys all completely like, missed this it. This is what this guy does. Like, if you've ever seen his work, he's like the king of trolls. And it's great. <laughs> I love it. It was pretty unbelievable. Oh, I just that, couldn't that believe was... that the people there were... And then his shirt and stuff. Yeah, that was fantastic. <laughs> the, the internet won the day. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, that was better than... Uh, that might have been better than the debate itself. Right. <laughs> right. Sign so. him up for president. <laughs> uh. So, anyways, though, getting back to... We're talking about NFL here back yeah. then a little bit. Um, obviously, week two of preseason... Coming up, um, if you're not counting the Hall of Fame game as, as a week, which uh, the NFL does not on their schedule, um, what games are you looking forward to this week? Uh, and really, is it is it because of one certain player, or is it because just because you're interested in seeing how a team responds after one week of of a little bit of tape out there and yeah. kind of bouncing back from whatever happened last week? Uh-huh. Yeah, just kind of scrolling over the the games this week. Uh, well, certainly the Panthers. You know, we have to see how they do in their first game without KB. They go up against the Dolphins. Um, the Cowboys and Rams, fresh off their brawl this week. Let's see how they do. Cowboys go against the 49ers. Uh, Jameis Winston plays on Monday night this week, so he's actually gonna have now he. Well, he his game against the Vikings was nationally televised last week, but uh, yeah, this one's a little bit bigger because you're on ESPN Monday night. Every, everyone's watching you, so you know it'll be interesting to see how James Winston does against the Bengals and what we expect. He'll get a lot more playing time. Uh, Raiders and Vikings this week, so we get to see. Bridgewater and Derek Carr in the same game, so that'll be something I'm looking forward to. Hopefully, Bridgewater can continue playing well. I thought Derek Carr played well last week against the Rams. Hopefully, he can keep that up. Amari Cooper is going to have a good test this week going up against that strong Viking secondary, so that's certainly a game to look forward to. Uh, Patriots go against the Saints, so we'll see a little bit of Brady and Breeze. Uh, I know they had a joint practice this week, too. I've always found those joint practices interesting, though. Yeah, you get a chance to go up against other players. You know, not in a game setting, but at least you get a chance to hit other players, so. Yeah, I think they're a good opportunity to also evaluate yeah. your own talent. Mm-hmm. And, uh,. Obviously, we've seen a lot of fights with that so far. I mean, that's kind of yeah, strange to me. I don't. Ugly too, but yeah, guys, I mean, guys just need to chill out a little bit. Yeah, and but you <laughs> know, fights are fights. You know, they happen. Yeah, you and know, it's, it's not it's really not a big like deal either. The team or anything. You know, to right. me, it's just a matter of you know, you're in the heat all the time. You're beating up on your own guys. It's just kind of that pent up rage. Just get it out, get it over with before the season starts. So it's fine. So. Yep. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to this week. You know, some some interesting matchups. Uh, we get to see the Bills and the Browns on ESPN tomorrow night as well. Yep. Uh, and the Bills have about a thousand running backs injured right now. 
<laughs> so that definitely hurts their plan too to kind of be a power run team. Yeah, that, when you have um, oh, what's his name as starter? And we say what's Sean his name McCoy. because we don't even know who's a starter right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be Lashawn, and and he's apparently hurt too. He's hurt, but you know they said he should be ready for the opener. Mm. Um, you know, so we'll see what the Bills somewhat do at running back there. Uh, and then the Browns continuing that uh, quarterback carousel. See, see how Josh McCown does. See if Johnny Manziel can improve a little bit. We'll see if Manziel, it'll be interesting to see if Manziel gets some first team reps. But yeah, you know, we'll see with that. Yeah, I mean that's so. I'm I'm gonna look at it from a, a day by day um, schedule thing. Uh, you know, I think I think that's the game tomorrow night. I'm watching. So there's two games tomorrow night. There's Lions at Redskins and Bills at Browns. Um, I really have no interest in the Lions and Redskins. Just from a um, the only player I'd be really interested in seeing is Preston Smith from the Redskins. I thought he had a good week one against the Browns. Um, he's one of my favorite players as, uh, as an edge player coming out last year and uh, it's good to see him succeed a little bit um, but I'm going to be watching the Bills and Browns I want to see Johnny Manziel I thought he looked a little bit better last week he looked confident he looked uh, much more kind of just with it in general he understood his role he had a very easy script so he didn't make any I didn't see him make any reads um, basically it was one read, if he's open, throw it, and all of his guys were pretty much open because he's playing second team, and Washington was already resting a lot of their starters anyway. So, right. but he still looked confident, and that's good. I mean, that's what you want to see out of a young player. Yeah, and he certainly is, you know, kind of matured a little bit. We're not seeing all these goofy headlines from him, so I think he's sti finally starting to get it a little bit. Yeah. Now let me let me ask you this now. I'm all for starting Manziel. I'm not a Manziel guy, so so people that aren't familiar, I had a fourth-round grade on him coming out last year, um, which to me means developmental player with starter upside in the future. But, I mean, it's it's more of a long shot than anything. It's basically me saying I don't think he's going to be um, a long-term starter at quarterback. Right. Um, it's it just I, I never thought his film translated well to the NFL. But I still think that he is a better bet to start over Josh McCown, just basically because McCown hasn't only had one good season, and it was only for part of a season. Right. And and you also have to kind of consider too that McCown's thirty six years old. I mean, he's mm -hmm. what's going to happen if he has a good season? He's going to play one more year. I mean, I just don't really see the upside there. At least Manziel, you you have to see what you have there because if he doesn't if he doesn't beat out McCown and he doesn't really play this year, I think you're drafting a quarterback in the top ten again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, look, I mean, I said from the moment they signed that contract with McCown that that was a stupid contract. I don't know why you're giving a 36-year-old McCown who, you know, like you said, only had one good season, six and a quarter million guaranteed. Yeah, it's crazy. To, to me, that was just silly. And that season was two years ago, and his coach is in Baltimore, and you're in Cleveland. Right. You know, you saw the film last year in Tampa Bay. Now, granted, Tampa's line was horrendous. Yeah, but, but he also had Vincent Jackson, yeah, exactly. Austin Jenkins, yeah. Mike Evans. I mean, the guy had weapons there that he doesn't have in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a flip scenario. You actually, can't blame it all on on uh, the offensive line.
yeah, he's going from these strong weapons to uh, Dwayne <laughs> Bow. Whoop de doo. Oh, I know. Goodness, Dwayne Bow and Brian Hartline. Brian Hartline. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's like going from uh, you know tiramisu for dessert to an Oreo cookie. <laughs> you know, so it's. Yeah, I, I I agree. You know, I've I've never been the biggest Johnny Manziel fan either, but at least you have some upside with him. I mean, Kyle Shanahan. You know, he's not there anymore, but at least Shanahan helped that offense look somewhat reasonable when Manziel was quarterback. Mm. You know, so you know why not? You've invest you invested the first round pick in him. Right. You clearly thought that he had that type of talent. Yeah. I mean, you picked him over Teddy Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean... And, I mean, they traded up for him, too. Right. You know, that was... Well, they... You know, because they were sitting at the pick they got from the Trent Richardson deal. By the way, nice move, Ryan Grigson. Yeah. Um, they used that pick to trade up to get Manziel with the Eagles, who, when the Eagles were on the clock, everyone was like, oh, are they going to take Manziel? And then the trade happened. So you invest that first-round pick in him. Yeah, you you got to eventually see what you have. It, about 10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, this was a league where you could take a quarterback high and let him sit on the bench a year or two. We're not in that kind of NFL anymore. You take a quarterback high, he better be out on that field week, week one. Right. At the latest, maybe mid-season week of year one. You know, th- this isn't a league anymore we, where we can afford to take high picks and, you know, high quarterbacks and let them sit on the bench. That's why we saw guys like Blaine Gabbard out there early, Jake Walker, Robert Griffin, you know. You know, so for some of these quarterbacks it works out. Others it doesn't. That's the nature of the beast. So with a guy like Manziel, you've eventually got to get him out there. Yeah, definitely. because... You know, you know, you bust on first-round picks, and that sets your franchise back at least a year or two. And not only, you know, for Manziel, they're they're already busting a bit on their first first-round pick from last year, Justin Gilbert. Right. So, you know, at least try to stop the bleeding somewhat if they can before it gets worse. That's just kind of how I feel on the whole Manziel thing. Yeah, no, no, I agree. So we'll definitely see how that plays out. Yeah. Um, Tuesday would be a good start, or I'm sorry, Thursday, tomorrow. Um, when you guys are listening to this, maybe today. Um, but I think that's a really good starting point for him. And hopefully he gets some reps with the first team so they can really see what he's got. Uh, Friday, I'm going to be watching Seahawks and Chiefs. I want to see my guy, Marcus Peters. Um, I want to see how the Chiefs are able to attack the Seahawks' offensive line, um, which was very bad week one. That was definitely a, a, a concerning moment watching uh, their off- their offensive line get destroyed by Denver. So we're gonna have to see uh, we're gonna have to see how they can do because ultimately, if that offensive line cannot improve, um, hold on to your hat. hat. Mr. Russell Wilson, Mr. Russell Russell Wilson, um, you're gonna have to be doing a lot of running around and creating on your own. So um, that's what I'm gonna be watching Saturday. I'll obviously be watching Dolphins and Panthers. Um, I'll probably check out the Chargers and Cardinals too later on, since that's 
that's just the next logical game to watch yeah. um, as far as like a, a viewing standpoint. Um, Sunday, I'll probably try to check out Packers and Steelers. I'm going to be honest, though, there's not really that much I want to see that game. Um, I want I like, I do like watching the Packers young secondary play. Um, and then for the night game, I may check out the Titans and Rams. I like watching these young rookie quarterbacks. So, you know, as much as I can see from Marcus Mariota and then obviously Monday night, Jameis Winston, as you mentioned, I just like to watch those guys as much as possible. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, those are, those are probably going to be the games that I'm going to be watching. Rams-Titans on Fox, so again, a national game, national game for a high pick in Marcus Mariota. Um, I will say this. It's, we saw some of these preseason games using the Fox graphic. If that's the graphic that Fox is going with this year, that's fine. You know, it's, it's better than it was last year. You know, I wasn't a huge fan of the Fox score graphic uh, from last year. I know that's completely random, but just thought I'd mention that since I see Rams-Titans back on Fox, so, you know, with the whole name, and, and that's why you got to love preseason football. We, they use the, the score graphics from the main networks and all the team announcers going, you know, rah-rah for their teams. Um, let, me, let me ask you this, though, too. I don't know if, if you got a chance to see... God himself on Sunday afternoon. Did you get a chance to watch Tebow? Oh, t- oh yeah, I did. I did, and I was uh, wholly uninspired. <laughs> um, Touche. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, I mean, look, the, the guy, he played all right. He's throwing the wide-open guys, hit his wide-open guys, and then, you yeah. know, guys were, were, I think you may have tweeted that, actually. Um, I wasn't sure if it was you or, or I saw someone tweet that I, I wanted to say it was you, but he was hitting the wide open guys, and then as soon as someone was uh, was covered, he was just airmailing it and had no idea where the ball was going. So, I mean, I, I look, I respect the guy. I as a person, I like the guy. Yeah. I root for him. I, I I really do. Unfortunately, the media and his crazy fans have just taken it to where. It. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but it's people like that, though. It's like you can't even have um, a conversation about the guy because people just take it and just it's it's just a little ridiculous. Yeah. So it's it's very difficult. Um, I don't I don't see how he makes the roster, to be honest with you. But, yeah. you know, I've I've been wrong before and and I'm not sure. So, but, yeah, I did watch and it was interesting. <laughs> it was definitely a For show. Sure. <laughs> yeah, look, um. Yeah, I think that tweet might have been someone else. I know I said something like, you know, yeah, we were impressed by uh, hit all those throws in his first drive, but these are throws that quarterbacks should make. Yeah. You know, yep. one of the throws on that first drive to, I think, Richardson, I think his name is, the uh, fourth-string tight end. Yeah, or not Tom Eric Tomlinson. Mm. Like 10 yards down the middle of the field. And no defender was within like five yards of him. Yeah, like I mean, it's just I'm like, sorry, what do you you're learn supposed to make that kind of throw in the NFL. Exactly. What do you learn from that? Even like, uh, there's just nothing really to learn from exactly. that. Exactly. Exactly. You know. So yeah, he had the nice scoring drive the first, the first drive, but then what happened? He regressed to his old ways, and unfortunately for Tebow, his old ways are not good. Right. He holds onto the ball way too long. 
he feels pressure way too early, um, and there's times he doesn't feel pressure when he should feel pressure. You know, it, it just... Now, I understand, you know, the offensive line wasn't all that great. You know, Kevin Graff was getting destroyed. Uh, but if people are going to want to use the whole, oh, well, he was up against, you know, third strings playing behind the third string line. Michael Shawdy brought up a great point during the game. You have to realize that Tim Tebow is kind of playing with the same level players. Right. You know, this isn't the first first team quarterback playing against playing with a bunch of third strings, playing with and against third stringers. This is third string playing with third string. So, you know, there's a reason he didn't come in until the third quarter behind that Barkley, who, by the way, I thought threw pretty well. You know, when I watched him early, I'm like, am I really watching Matt Barkley? <laughs> like, is he really making so many throws? <laughs> um, I mean, you can make the argument Barkley was the best quarterback of the three on Sunday. <laughs> Surprising to say. Um, but yeah, you know, unfortunate, and like you mentioned with the media, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that you can't talk about Tebow, because as soon as you talk bad about Tebow as a player, oh, you're a Tebow hater. Oh, yeah. you're, oh my God, you know. Right. You know, God forbid we say anything bad about Tebow as a player. Look, I'm the same way. I like Tebow as a person. You know, I had no problem with the whole Tebowing thing and him, you know being faithful and praying during and before games and whatnot, that's fine. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's fine. I, like, that, like I think it's such a weird thing to me. Like, people think that that's what bothers. It may bother some people, but, I mean, I can't. Yeah, that, yeah. I can only speak for myself on that. I mean, I just can't. It's really hard for me to imagine that. Like, who is that really bothering? Like, I don't know. I truthfully don't know anybody that that bothers. Yeah, and, and I guess some people are just upset over all the media hype but yeah you know it is what it is so but I, like i said i don't like i don't hate the guy as a person i think he's outstanding you know I, i'd love to meet him in person and talk to him and just see how he is as a person i don't want him as my quarterback you know if if, if he's on my team i would not want him as my starting quarterback look that 2011 season was a fluke i think we've all come to realize that I, mean, I hope so. I sure I, hope it, so. It, I, I see it, a lot of exactly, tweets. I hope so. That's yeah, right. I see a lot of tweets saying, "Oh, he has more playoff victories than X, Y, and Z." And it's like, you know, it's not hey, really. You know how what that, I say to that? Not TJ Yates has a playoff win. That's pretty. <laughs> that's pretty funny, actually. <laughs> that's you know, that's how I debunk the whole you know quarterback playoff wins. You know, yeah, T- Tim Tebow has a playoff win, but guess what? So does TJ Yates. Yeah. So, what's your point? And the fact is, Pittsburgh threw out their JV team on defense when they played that playoff game. You know, what was it? Ryan Clark, I think, had to sit out that game yep. because of his health issues. Because I guess I forget what exactly it was. But yeah, yeah, the mile, the mile high. Yeah. So he was out, and they had a bunch of other injuries. I think Brett Kiesel was injured, and a bunch of others. You know, and my God, he's playing with Demarius Thomas. Right. You know, anybody can, any quarterback can go out there and Demarius Thomas can make him look good. You know, the whole, oh, he got them to the playoffs. It was really, and it's funny too, like looking back, like it was a very freaky ride to the playoffs. Like Matt Prater was really the biggest part of that team because mm-hmm. he was hitting like 55 yarders every week. Yeah. But yeah. I just remember him hitting like crazy game tying field goals. 
and then or game-winning field goals. And I mean, look, props to Tebow. Yes, he led a winning team. Good for him. I, I just, it just gets annoying. It's like this. Kel, it's like Kellen Moore. I know Detroit Lions fans will know what I'm talking about. Like, there's just weird obsessions with some of these backup quarterbacks, and it's like I don't understand it. Like, they're short-term starters. They're not meant to be on the field 16 games because when they are on the field for 16 games, they get exposed for what they are, and that's very average players. Mm-hmm. If if that, they're usually well below average. And we can't say Tebow hasn't had chances. Right. You know, the guys play for how many teams now? Yeah. yeah. All the coaches he's played for. Right. Kelly. And they've given up on him. Yeah. And Bill Belichick, of all people. Right. That should tell you roster all him. you need to know. Yeah. Yep. You know. I don't know. But we'll see. And, you know, certainly as the preseason unfolds for the Eagles, it'll be interesting to see how much playing time he actually gets once Sam Bradford actually starts playing. Yeah. Um, Which will hopefully be soon. Yeah, hopefully he's on the field Saturday. Uh, so obviously that'll be, that'll probably be the game I'll be watching on Saturday since they kick off the same time as the Dolphins. Definitely. Uh, since that'll be my local game. Uh, but yeah, Tebow makes the roster. And I'm surprised we spent all this time talking Tebow, but hey, it's... A it's inevitable. Yeah, it's it's hard not to. I mean, yeah, that's, we, that's I what people want to talk about. No yeah. Um, but yeah, if Tebow makes this roster, it's because Kelly's going to use him in some way, shape, or form. Right. You know, because, I mean, at this point, he's, hell, you he, he could argue he's fourth right now. Oh, absolutely. The quarterback depth chart, but that's the only reason, you know, so it's the matter of, do you keep Barkley, who's been in the system three years, and actually look decent in the first playoff game? Now, granted, I'd like to see that a little bit more, you know, I'm not going to base it off one preseason game, but, you right. know, it's a start. Do you keep Barkley? Or do you keep Tebow, who, as as I mentioned, would be like a specialty player, possibly the two-point player, which I even tweeted, Darren Sproles would be just fine for a role like that. You know, you don't need a guy like Tim Tebow to run two-point plays. Darren Sproles would be just fine. Ryan Matthews would be just fine in that kind of role. You know, you, you don't need to... If you're going to keep Tebow just for that reason, that's like wasting a spot. You know, especially when the Eagles have, you know, they might keep five, maybe six receivers. Um, you know, Kenyon Barner's fighting for a role, so maybe you could keep four running backs. So, but luckily, you know, there's, what, three weeks to decide this all? Yep. Actually, though, I mean, next week's the first cutdown. Yep. Next, uh... I forget what day it is, but about a week, week and a half, maybe, uh, rosters are cut to 75. Though I know some people that'll argue, you know, Dan Hatman's one guy that comes to mind on this. Dan would eliminate the cut to 75, and this was actually a proposed rule at the owners' meeting earlier this this year, to eliminate the cut down to 75 and just have, you know, 90 players the whole preseason and just cut right to 53. But... They didn't pass it, so we still have 90 to 75, and then 75 to 53. I don't know if you have any. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of like that. I mean, I'm I'm a little surprised that they forced the quick turnarounds with the cuts. Um, that is a very interesting idea, and I'm I'm kind of surprised that they don't 
carry the bigger roster for as long as possible. I mean, you would just think that, you know, an in interest of the game and, and, you know, keeping guys healthy and seeing more time because these guys, there's not much film. When you have two games of film on somebody, it's really difficult to really have a conclusion about them. Especially players like back end of the roster players that... Yeah, they're the ones that you need to see because yeah. you never know what happens. I mean, two games can make a difference between them having a career and them not. But at the same point, like they could show something in one of those games that, you know, makes a difference, whether it be this year or next year, whatever it may be. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, kind of with all these injuries that have been happening, you can also make the argument that you can expand regular season rosters. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm, all, I'm all for that. Yeah, too. I'd be perfectly fine. Even if they expanded by two players. Yeah. Expand to 55. Or even if you keep it at 53 and just eliminate the weekly inactives. Right. You know, because to be honest, thinking about it, I don't get the point of that. You know, why make a 53 man roster but then say, okay, you have to declare seven of your players inactive? Right. You know, because those seven players can make a difference. You know, you look at you look at these game day rosters. These teams week in and week out are only putting out seven offensive linemen. Right. You know, you eliminate those inactives and allow all 53. Then maybe you can have an eighth offensive lineman, and then you wouldn't have any problems. I remember last year with the Falcons, they had to kick a tight end to offensive line because they had too many injuries and not enough. You know, they had like, I think they only dressed like seven offensive linemen. And about two or three of them got hurt, and it forced them to convert a tight end to offensive line. So, you know, you allow the rosters to stay at 53, maybe you avoid these problems. Right. So, or like I said, even expand the act, expand the active rosters to 55, because not only does that help depth-wise, that gives what 64 players a job. Yep. You know, that's 64 more players that have a chance to play on an NFL roster. And, you know, with all the money that's going around, you know, it's certainly worth it. You don't even have, you know, you could use a rule like they do during the offseason, have like a top 51 rule. Yeah. You know, you don't necessarily have to count all 55 players against the cap. You can count the top, or even count the top 53. So, that's just... You know, my thought on that, just kind of thinking of that out of the blue. No, I agree with you. I'm totally with you. It just seems a little senseless to to cap who can play and who can't play. It's it's very odd to me as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a good place to stop. Though. I think that was a solid hour of talk. Absolutely, absolutely. And we'll obviously have some more... Uh, some more content to work with next week. Of course, round two of the games is, is welcome. And uh, starting to get that regular season itch. We are, uh, let's see, today is the 19th of time of recording this. Um, within 10 days, we will be having college football. So we are, we've almost made it. We really have almost made it. So. Yeah, hang in there, folks. It's, uh, we're First game. There. First game is North Dakota State, or I'm sorry, South Dakota. Um, no, it is North Dakota. Yeah, North Dakota State, as I check my schedule. Um, South Dakota State 
or damn, I just did it again. <laughs> take, North Dakota State. Yeah, North Dakota State versus Montana. Um, definitely check that out if you're into Carson Wentz as a quarterback prospect. Um, I'll, a bit, yeah. yeah, I'll be charting him as well. So I'll uh, have an accuracy chart out as soon as that game's over. Um, but that will be the first game on the slate. And then Friday, I believe, is when the Division One um, FBS games start. So nice. we have, we've almost made it. There you go. Just a little bit longer till uh, we actually talk real games. Yep. So with that, I think we'll sign off for this week. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you enjoy as always. Uh, maybe you can check us out on iTunes. And as always, you can hit us up on Twitter. He's at NFL Film Study. I'm at Bill underscore Setti. Hit us up, chat football with us, and have a lot of fun. So for my buddy Ian Wharton, I'm Bill Rossetti. We'll see you next time here on the Gridiron Graduates. Take care, everybody.